Hey, thanks for joining us online. We are hoping you're enjoying our service so far. But hey, next week, we're looking forward to celebrating uh, Memorial Day. And then we're also looking forward to celebrating our graduates next week. And so how that looks for our seniors next Sunday is we're inviting you to head over to our drive-in option. And we're inviting you, we want to celebrate you there. Um, and so 9 and 1030 out on Route 53, our drive-in drive-in church option. Uh, we're going to have a great time there. And so before the service starts, if you're a senior, meet us behind the stage and we're going to kind of explain how we're going to celebrate you in, during the service. And so again, we're looking forward to celebrating next Sunday with you. But today we're going to continue on in our series, Isolated But Not Alone. And last week, Pastor Kevin, he was Going uh, through, we're going going through the book of Philippians, and we were in chapter three, where Paul is challenging us to press on, and he's using this illustration of a race, and he's challenging us to press on towards the prize, press on towards the goal of being more like Jesus. And so today, let's pick up right in verse fifteen, where it says this: "Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if in any." If in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. All right, in these verses, Paul's not saying like we could get to a sinless perfection. He's not saying we can be perfect because already in verse 12, he's already told us that he's not perfect. And then later uh, to Timothy, he tells him that he, Paul says, I'm the worst of sinners. So what is than Paul talking about. Well, Paul's follower of Christ, we can feel complete in Christ. We can be complete in Christ. And so Paul is challenging us in spiritually, even though we are complete in Christ, that we are looking to still grow in our relationship with him. And so what Paul is saying is even though he's saying he's complete. What shows Paul's real, his maturity is the fact that Paul is understanding he hasn't reached full maturity yet. So what makes him mature is that realizing he can still grow in his relationship with God. Like Paul says to the church in Corinth, for when I'm weak, I am strong. So the Paul, he's trying to challenge us in chapter 3 not to get distracted. Uh, in fact, he, he already said, hey, we can grow past the past and we can launch forward in this new life that, that God has for us in this relationship we have with him. And he's he said in verse 13 that if Paul said, if there's one thing I do, well, what he's trying to say is I, I want to do one thing and that's pursue Christ, pursue him. Paul, these verses that we just read, he, he ends it with saying there's a standard that we have attained. He's talking about how we can, we can be more conformed to the image of Christ by coming and looking at his word, by a, looking at the standard that we have, we have in God's word that we can turn to. And that's what we should be doing as the church is we should be focused in on on. on living and teaching and living by God's standard and his word. But you know what happens? Rather than the, the church being focused on, uh, on God's word, the church sometimes can get distracted. We can get distracted. And when we get distracted um, and stop focusing on the standard, his word, well, we start becoming a spectator sport. 
And what I mean by that is like we can be watching the service like we are right now and maybe you're sitting back on your couch and, and you could come to a point in the message that you think, man, that's a good point or that's a, that's a point that I haven't thought about before. And, and then sometimes in messages we, we like to cheer, we like to clap because we, we, we agree with the point. Uh, but, then, but then there's sometimes that we, we have a, a, hear a truth that we see in God's word that we kind of don't really like to hear. Because it challenges who our thinking, it challenges who we are and the way we live. It maybe challenges the way we go about our marriage, or maybe it challenges uh, the way we go about spending our money, or maybe it's uh, the way we raise our kids. Maybe it's uh, more like our identity, or our, it challenges the way we think of uh, maybe like topics like sexuality. See, when it comes to those kind of things and we, we get challenged by God's word, sometimes if we want to be honest and we want to know if are we spectating, are we being a spectator, are we, being, are we living by God's word? Well, if you get challenged by God's word and you, you don't want to listen and you don't want to maybe uh, start obeying his standard, and we, if we sit back and we go, I don't want to really change there's probably a good chance that we're more of a Christian hobbyist and Christian enthusiast rather than a true follower of Christ. Because truly a true follower of Christ, we are going to take and follow God's standard no matter the cost. There's one thing Paul says he does and he is following pursuing Christ no matter the consequences. So here's the thing. In this season of maybe like COVID-19, we have to work hard not to be sitting in the grandstands, but be in the race, in the game. And maybe you've been watching on the news recently or ESPN, uh, professional sports are talking about, hey, maybe we'll do crowdless sports. Maybe we'll have a crowdless arena. And maybe that's what the church is always supposed to be. Maybe the church is always supposed to be a crowdless arena. It wasn't supposed to be a spectator sport or uh, sitting, us sitting back and being entertained. It was supposed to be the church, us in the game, in the race. The, the grandstands are empty and we are all running the race. So maybe for some of us that have been a follower of Christ for some time, uh, and we've been running the race and we have gotten distracted. Maybe today is a day where we realize we've been sitting, we took a seat on the bench, and we need to get back into the race. So how do we do that? How do we attain the goal? How do we become more like Jesus? Paul, in these verses coming ahead, he, he, it's kind of, there's three points I want to focus in on. And the first thing is we walk. We should walk with others. Paul, when it, and so he, when he's giving this illustration of race, and many times like sports, it's all uh, this is a competition, right? Well, Paul, he's not describing a, a competition of like me versus the world. He's he's describing this competition where it's a teamwork, it's a team effort. We are going towards the prize. We are challenging, influencing, encouraging each other to head to also towards the prize. Look at verse 17 where Paul says, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. 
And so Paul is not saying, hey, here, like, he's not saying, he's not trying to put himself on a pedestal or he's not trying to say, hey, look at me, praise me, look at my holiness, look, I'm holier than everybody else. Paul's not trying to bring attention to himself. Paul's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me, an imperfect sinner, as I try to pursue the one goal. I try to pursue God's holiness. I try to pursue Jesus with my life. And Paul doesn't stop just with himself, right? He, he, said, he said, and I join and follow my example, but then he goes on and he says, and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. So Paul's not just saying, follow me. He's saying, hey, there's other people out there that ha- they've looked at the standard. They've looked at God's word and they're starting up. They pattern that in their life. Look at them and follow their le- example. Follow their lead. Don't just follow mine. Follow theirs as well. Because when we follow other people, we can learn to, to, we can learn how to overcome like sin in our life and struggles that we're going through. We can learn and grow from those things. As a new believer, we have to learn how to walk with others. And as people who are, as been mature, we are more maybe mature in our faith because we have been a believer for a while and we are growing. We should want, we should be like Paul saying, hey, follow my lead. You know, I have, a, I will have a two-year-old um, this September and I, she's uh, like insane right now because we finally, because in this quarantine we we were able to get outside the rain days are awful days because then we're stuck inside but right now we're we've been going outside like yesterday we're going outside and she just starts running everywhere she's all over the place and for some reason also little ones I don't know if you notice this probably you have but uh they just spin in a circle for some reason and, and then they always head towards an object, then away from the object. And so as a parent, I'm sitting back and just, I'm holding my breath or I'm doing the, like, I hope they don't really run into that object. Or sometimes I'm fast enough and I can grab her before she runs into anything. Uh, but they, she hasn't really learned fully yet how to control her run. She just starts running and then it gets out of control. See, as a new believer... We, we are excited of our faith, like we should be. We should be excited. We should be pumped up. We, we have a relationship with the creator of the world. But as a new believer, we get, so, we get running so hard towards Christ. Sometimes it's easy for us to slip up and, and slip into old habits or slip up. This is why Paul, he's going on and saying, hey, we should follow the lead of others. We should look to follow other believers. We should walk with other believers. And again, like I've already stated, we should also, for some of us, we should be bold enough to be like Paul who says, hey, follow my lead. Follow my example. We should take this, that as, a, as kind of a bold statement. But I know for some of us, as we're listening and, and we're hearing that, you might be thinking already, you're, you're going, okay, I don't want people to follow my life that closely because it makes me feel uncomfortable or it, it might be because of the fact that we have to, you feel like maybe I have to live up to a certain standard then. Or maybe it's because you, you're afraid maybe you're, what your, your friends and your family might think about you. They might think you're uh, some kind of like religious nut. Paul's not worried about any of that, Right? Look at through all of chapter 3. He's going, hey, there's one thing that I do, and that is I pursue Jesus. 
He's challenging us as followers of Christ. All right, in this season of isolation, we need to refocus our life, regear our life, and re- make sure that it's surrounded. It is all about Jesus. Parents, I know this as a student pastor. I know this as, uh, as uh, sometimes we can lead our students or children and we can lead them and we can cause confusion in their world. And what I mean by that is we can make God an important part of our family, but sometimes God isn't the number one thing in our family. Like we have allowed other things to creep in to become a competing thing, competing part or competing for our attention in our life. And our, we sometimes allow our students to decide, hey, do you want to have God in your life or not? And we give them this option. In our house, we give them an option. Hey, do you want to put other things as a priority in your life or do you want to put God in your, as a priority? Of course, we, we want them to choose God. And so sometimes we are afraid to challenge them, afraid to push them uh, towards him because we're afraid to lose them, right? See, what Joshua said says in the Old Testament, he says, but as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. It should be clear in your household, it should be clear in your home who you serve as a family. Yeah, your, your children have to come to a point in their life where they have to decide on Jesus. But you get to help them discover truth. You get to help them to understand in our home, we're going to live by God's standard and that's it. One day when you're on your own, you get to choose whether you're going to live by God's standard or not. But in our home, you're going to live by God's standard. And there's things that we're going to do in our home. Like we do church together. We, we put a priority in that. We put a priority in, in praying as a family and, and getting into God's word and being surrounded, pursuing Jesus in our life. As parents, we should take that, this verse that Paul's saying, follow my example. We should want our children to follow our example. And whether you realize it or not, you are the greatest spiritual influence in your child's life. So lead well. First thing, to pursue the goal of becoming more like Jesus, we should walk with others. The second thing is this, that we should watch. It is easy for us to get distracted. It is easy for us to have other people come in our life and pull us away from Christ, pull us away from Jesus. And this is why Paul says in verse 18, for many walk of whom I often often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. You know, it, we read that verse earlier where Paul said, hey, follow uh, the walk with others and follow their pattern that they put in their life. But then he says here, hey, pay attention. There's also people who walk who also we need to watch, though, their walk because they have the wrong motives behind the reason they're walking. See, Paul is describing a person right here that has kind of like a need theology. Their life, they live their life just to satisfy their own needs. And I think we even as followers of Christ, we have to be careful to not fall into a need theology. We have to be careful to make sure that Jesus is our number one thing in our life. He is our priority. And 
We've, we're told in Scripture that we, can, we should take our cares, we should take our anxiety, our worries, we should cast those to God, we should come to Him in prayer and, and pray about our needs. But when it comes dangerous is when our needs become more important than Jesus. So we have to be careful and not allow need theology to come in our own life. But this individual Paul is describing, Paul is describing a person who says they want God to move when, when they want God to move. And they want God to do what they want God to do. It's a person that says that they're religious or maybe even a Christian, but they only thing they, the reason they pursue maybe Christianity is because they want to fulfill their own wants, desires, and needs. As a follower of Christ, we don't pursue him out of our own satisfaction, but God's. See, as a, as a follower of Christ, we, we are, we're pursuing one thing. We're pursuing him. That's it. Do you see how Paul describes this person? Their God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who sets their minds on earthly things. This individual is distracted. They're pursuing, uh, they're just trying to pursue the void in their life. They're unhappy. They're, they're trying to fulfill the appetite, but it's never getting completely full. So they pursue another earthly thing, another earthly thing. They're just pursuing stuff. So their satisfaction, the whole reason they're living their life is for their own satisfaction and their own human need. Whereas our goal as a follower of Christ, our goal of our salvation is to be more conformed. It should be to be conformed to the image of Christ. So we look to the finish line. We look towards Christ, whereas unbelievers look to their own needs. We look towards him. You know, in isolation, uh, in, in, we, we have this series, Isolated But Not Alone. Maybe it's a time in our life, maybe we should take this as a challenge, that we should be taking a step backward today at some point. And asking ourselves, hey, are we, have we, even if, we, if we're saying, I've, I've decided on Jesus, have we allowed other things to come in and start competing with Christ in our life? Are we allowing, are we allowing school, work, family, relationships, are we allowing sports to compete with our, our relationship with Jesus? It might be time to take a step back and realize we've allowed the busyness of life to start controlling our life rather than God's word and him. Are you satisfied in him alone? So first thing we do to pursue the goal is we, we, we walk with others. The second thing we do is we watch, we pay attention, we, we, we're careful not to get distracted, we're pulled away from him. And the third thing we do is wait. Look at verse 20 where it says, for our citizenship is in heaven. From which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We wait. And we're not just waiting for the coming of the Lord. We're waiting on the Lord who is coming. And so we are not just waiting on an event. We are waiting for a person. We're waiting for our Savior. We're waiting for Jesus. And so we wait with great expectation because we are confident of this one thing that we know where we're going to spend eternity we're confident because verse 20 it says, for our citizenship is in heaven. And so if we have come to a place in our life where we have decided on Jesus, 
realizing that we are broken and we are in need of a Savior. And so we handed our life, our full, all of our life over to him, admitting to him, I'm a sinner. But believing that he, the reason he came to live is to, to die on the cross, to pay our debt on the cross. And so we confess that we want him to become Lord over our life. And when we do that, not only are we told we are given new life, not only are we told we are forgiven, but in that new life, we are given eternal life. We are called citizens of heaven, as Paul says here. And so we wait, but we're not waiting in the grandstands. We're not waiting just to pass, back, pass on time. We are waiting with great expectation our Lord who is coming. In a world that's filled with conflict and disagreements, Christians, we are sure of one thing. We are confident that we are waiting on the Lord who is coming. And then like Paul wraps up this chapter in verse 21 where he says he, talking about Jesus, will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. By the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. What is Paul talking about right here? He's talking about when we get to be face to face one day with Jesus. That we will take on a new look. We'll have a new body. So what will that look like? Well, we don't really actually know. The Bible doesn't actually say specifically. But we know this for sure. That all of our weakness right now. All of our imperfections that we face right now on this earth. They'll be gone. Our bodies will be perfect. Our bodies will be ageless. And so that child, that child that, uh, that died from a, an awful disease, that child will no longer be suffering in heaven with that disease. No more battling that disease. Or that elderly person who has trusted and decided on Jesus, and at the end of their life they were weak and frail, they'll no longer be weak or frail, but have perfect health. You know, in COVID-19, where I know sometimes we, we, there's the anxiety, worry, there's the, there's the stress of it all, or the, there's the fear of it. Well, in heaven, there's no COVID-19. There's none of this isolation, this six-foot distancing. The, the, we don't, we'll never feel isolated again. We'll, ne- we'll understand. We'll never be alone again. And all the boundaries we face right now on earth of racial or political or economic, all those boundaries will be gone. We'll no longer have any of that. And this is why, and here's why, heaven isn't just our destination, but it's our motivation. Heaven is our motivation. This is why we get to run towards Jesus, and this is why we should run so hard towards him, because we are confident that we get to spend eternity with him, that we should run the race hard, run it well. We should want others to follow us, walk with us. We should be careful to watch out so that we aren't getting distracted from running our race, and we should wait for our coming, our Lord who's coming but we should run really well because we want other people to spend eternity with us because we are given an amazing promise there in verse 21 and we don't have to worry we don't have to let anxiety to control our life we can run our run the race run towards the goal run towards the prize of Jesus 
this morning, if you do one thing, pursue him. Maybe take a, take a step back, refocus our lives, readjust our lives, and pursue him. It's time to get out of the grandstands. It's time to get off the bench, and it's time to start running the race. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come this morning and worship you. And Lord, we thank you that we also, this morning, we get to dive into your word. And we're given amazing promises like we read in verse 20 and 21. And Lord, we thank you that you have saved us. And if somebody's watching or listening right now, that they've never taken that step of, of trusting in you, Lord, I pray that they would do that today. They would admit to you that they're a sinner. Believe that you died on the cross and confess that they, they put you, Lord, over their life. And then for us as believers, Lord, I, I pray that we would take this, the verse 20 and 21, and we would remind ourselves how great our Lord is, that you are coming back for us. That our citizenship is in heaven. And so we should run this race. Because heaven isn't just our destination. It's our motivation, Lord. And Lord, we love you. We praise you. In your name, amen.